This is Yudaha Kohen of the Vision Movement, and I want listeners to know that this week's episode has been sponsored in memory of freedom fighter Dr. Yisrael Eldad, Yisrael Ben Lib, who was one of the leaders of the Jewish people's anti-colonial struggle against British rule in the 1940s, and really never stopped pushing to advance our liberation his entire life. If any listeners interested in sponsoring an episode of this podcast in honor or memory of a loved one, or simply to get the word out about a local business, you can contact us by going to visionmag.org and clicking contact on the menu bar up top. A lot of work goes into these shows, and sponsoring an episode can really go a long way in expanding our ability to reach more people with our content. So if you believe in our message and want to help our work, sponsoring an episode of this podcast is a great way to show your support. This is Yudaha Kohen, Vision Movement, Vision Magazine, and you're listening to the Next Age Podcast. I'm sitting here in the Knesset office of uh, the chair of the Law and Justice Committee, uh, M.K. Simcha Rotman. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so um, just jumping in, uh, last week Israel's high court struck down a basic law for the first time in our nation's history. Uh, can you lead our listeners through what took place? Obviously, you're very central to this story as one of the initiators of the judicial reform legislation. Uh, so from your perspective, and maybe from the perspective of the government, uh, what's the significance of what happened last week? Um, first, I want to tell you that um, it's uh, it's not that the Supreme, it's not, uh, that the Supreme Court did it uh, for the first time. It's actually the first time he admitted mm-hmm. he, he has done it. Um, but, uh, but before I, uh, before we dive in the details, um, it's important, um, it's important to say that I don't think it's a good idea for the state of Israel and the Jewish people to have this kind of, uh, um, uh, heated debate um, on on the on the issue of uh, judicial activism, judicial overreach by the Supreme Court, not because it's not an important issue, not because I think it not it um, it's not uh, 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 an issue that the state of Israel has to deal with and will deal with, um, um, because because there is no other choice, and and also the ma- the vast majority of the public in Israel understand that. There is a need to solve this issue as soon as possible, but as soon as possible is not today, because because of the war, because at the time of war we need to focus our efforts and our uh, the nation's uh, power and intellect and unity um, on the major purpose, which is defeating our enemies. Um, it's not. Um, um, uh, it's not that uh, those issues that we we invested a lot uh, effort um, and time 
and political uh, uh, capital uh, to advance. It's not that they are not important, but it's not important to deal with them now. Mm-hmm. And and um, I, as a matter of fact, I was very uh, um, disappointed that the court uh, did not rise up to the occasion, did not understood that giving a ruling that has uh, uh, the chance of of uh, um, the the very close possibility that will create um, um, disunity or, or in in the in the forces fighting in the public in Israel um, to release this kind of ruling doesn't matter if I would win or lose by the way if my side quote unquote. Uh, would win, I would say just the same. I don't think it's a good idea to have this issue. Some some issues shouldn't be decided um, at all during a time of war. Of course, I don't think that deciding not to intervene, deciding to intervene is the same thing. Mm-hmm. But doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, if so, so so I'm very upset did, did that the have, court. Did, did they have the option to wait? Of course, yeah. of course. Um, the, Even though Hayut is on her way out and she wanted her opinion to be... So so what you're saying is they, that they... Then, then, and another baron. Yeah, so two judges mm-hmm. that are on their way out from the court, they're already not Supreme Court justices, uh, applied pressure that the claim, applied pressure that this decision will take place now because they want the ability to influence a second before they leave the court. Mm-hmm. I think this uh, excuse is even worse than the blame, uh, if you would, if you would, uh, if you would want. So, so in order to get uh, uh, um, uh, to, to a, a last last minute power grab, so you risk uh, um, um, this diver- this uh, um, division in 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 Israel at the time of war. I think if that's the excuse, uh, I, 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 I will accept it as an excuse, and I think it's, the, it's, it's, even, it's even worse than what I thought about the court. Mm-hmm. Okay. Look, in, in most uh, countries that people typically think of as democratic, uh, democratic societies, the judiciary is either independent or powerful. Right, but not both. Like in the U.S., for example, you have a Supreme Court that's powerful but not really independent. And in a place like, let's say, the U.K., you have a court that's independent, but it's not really that powerful. Um, but here, you know, in Israel, we have a high court that's both independent and disproportionately powerful, uh, which is why so many Israelis perceive the institution to be a threat to democracy, especially given the fact that its members are typically seen as representing a very narrow group of elites, westernized ruling class, and it's ideological, etc. But the legislation that you put forward aimed to take away both the power and the independence of the Supreme Court. No. Uh, Was this a negotiating tactic? Did you expect? Um, So I I don't think that, um, I think that even, again, I have to say in the beginning of almost every sentence, Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel not comfortable talking about this issue now because it's really uh, you're asking, and I'm, I'm sure it will interest your listeners. It's not something that I'm dealing with on the day-to-day uh, practice here now in Israel but because the issue, of the war. The, the issue, the issue is away. not going away. Right. But but uh, but um, and I respect you and 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 your listeners. That's why I'm talking about an issue that 
I don't deal with on the on the agenda um, in the day to, my day to day actions here in the Knesset. But I would say like this: even if all the legislation that was offered by um, by Minister Levin um, or by me, it's and and it's not the same, by the way. Um, um, would pass without any change to the word. Um, still, the State of Israel Supreme Court would be one of the most independent and powerful courts in the world. <laughs> so, Can you so walk us through I, I will walk you through. Meaning, I don't know a lot of democratic country countries with a parliamentarian system, mm-hmm. which there is about six or seven countries that have a similar system to the State of Israel, where judges have a veto power who will get in. Um, We offered to remove this veto. Um, In all the the, the offers, we never gave the power to the coalition to remove judges or to change the make of the court in one uh, Knesset time. Mm-hmm. Meaning, uh, we even offered in some of the the offers um, that a coalition will be limited to appointing maximum number of two judges on its own agenda per Knesset. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you will not be able to appoint more than two judges in a court of fifteen judges. Then, um, in 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 four years period, and even if or without going through elections, so no one offered. Uh, the abilities that exists in many other countries politicized court or or like it happened with in the US you say uh, um, the, the uh, Trump I think appointed how many judges and and most of the judges Supreme Court justices that sit in the US were appointed by the same when when the president and the Senate were on the same side a very politicized court we didn't offer such a system we offer the systems that gives power to uh, to the opposition. We offer the systems that gives power even to the judges. But we just say you cannot have the veto power, which no no other country exists. And that, that, that was, uh, of course, uh, a terrible uh, thing to offer because I don't know why. Um, and, and also about the powers. We did not say, we did not even offer a court like in the UK. The court in the UK cannot cancel parliament laws, full stop. We did not offer that. It wasn't even on a draft. Um, well, there's a 61 Knesset member override. 61 Knesset members override is is a response. Mm-hmm. In the UK, the court cannot even stop. You say, right. okay, you canceled. Now we need to gather the majority, special majority in the parliament to override your ruling. In the UK, a regular legislation, just a plain legislation that was passed with two Knesset mem- two parliament members on the, that voted for it. No quorum whatsoever, the court cannot touch. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm saying, even if everything, and of course, it was before negotiation, but I think even if it was the first draft, accepted as a whole, still Israel would be one of the most independent and powerful courts mm-hmm. in the world. Right, so I guess my question is how much of the original legislation was really presented with the expectation there'd be negotiations and not protests. Um, of course, the, we, of course, every legislation that comes to, to the Knesset 
is an opening statement for negotiation. Mm-hmm. The problem is, was that um, nobody, nobody wanted to negotiate. Um, uh, uh, and not even, I'll give you the beginning and the end, okay? In the beginning, in the committee, I said, I don't want to put forward any legislation. Mm-hmm. Let's sit as a committee, coalition and opposition, and discuss the problems and the solutions. Mm-hmm. Try to find a uh, 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 common ground. Uh, I got a letter from the oppositions, from the opposition Knesset members, members of my committee, saying if I don't put forward the tax, they will not, they will boycott the committee. Meaning, we don't want to talk about a problem, a conversation, say what do you want to do. I said, okay, so I will put what I offer, let's talk about, that's the beginning point. And they started shouting that they will not talk about it until there is a... Uh, um, the, the legal advisor say what he thinks about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he said what he thinks about it, and then they still not negotiate. At the end, um, the opposition offered to the reasonability clause 27,000 um, reservations. 27,000. You need to vote on, on every one of them twice. So just multiply the numbers. Okay, and we voted. We voted so either you can vote on 100 at a time, doesn't matter. We voted on them. But I said, I asked my staff, and I also went over it. I said, maybe in the 27,000 reservations to this one clause, maybe we can find something that makes sense and we can accept. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. And we offered them, and the legal advisor of the Knesset said, pick one, pick two that you want to have a negotiation on, Mm -hmm. I, I will, pre- she said, I will pressure the coalition to negotiate with you if they want. She didn't have to pressure us because we said in the beginning that we want to negotiate. There wasn't any will for negotiation. And if you want, I think that what I hope will be the major change. Mm-hmm. That people who really care about the state of Israel, and we do know that many people who protested care about the state of Israel. They're not. Uh, but it was some kind of a, of a, a a climate of you cannot negotiate everything and you protest everyone who negotiate. They protested against the president for right. negotiating. So so that was a problem. I hope the war changed that. Because I know I know that some people on my side that weren't willing to negotiate mm-hmm. also changed. Uh-huh. But but they they did not have the power to limit the negotiation in the beginning. So last spring Gilead Sher the, he was the chief of staff of Ehud Barak when he was prime minister. Uh, he admitted, he said openly on a podcast, that the money and the organizational infrastructure for the protest movement was in place not just before the legislation was presented, but even before the government was formed. Meaning after the election, after the election results, when they saw where the Knesset's going, maybe we could argue where the country's going, People started putting this together, maybe with American help. Um, <clears throat> if this entire protest movement is really not about judicial reform, if it's really about the direction of the country and the identity of the country and the fact that the people who've been in charge since 1948 or even before 1948, if we count the uh, pre-state Zionist era, are losing power and other groups that were considered more marginal in the past are now becoming more of a force, what we call second Israel. If that's really what this is about on the back end, is there a way for some of these groups 
national religious, Haredi, Mizrahim, revisionist Zionists, all the different groups that comprise Second Israel is their way to uh, allay the fears of the elites of the first Israel camp that moving forward, us becoming stronger and them becoming weaker isn't necessarily so bad. I think um, I think you the, the the facts that you said are, are I think correct. Uh, I think you, you you read the the situation. It's less about the judicial reform and more about the changing face of the state of Israel. <laughs> I think October seventh has a major role in this aspect, meaning many people who thought that. Um, um, that the era of, uh, of uh, existential threat for the state of Israel, of war, is over. And we have the, we have the, the privilege... To be Sweden. To be Sweden, to be other countries, to talk about issues that are not existential mm-hmm. and fight, believe it or not, if you remember Don't the fight... Sure. Yeah, if, 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 if you can have, uh, you can have a, a separate sitting a, a, a minion... Uh, on Yom Kippur, right. uh, the, like that's the most important issue in the world that you need to f- to uh, during Yom Kippur you need to to attack people who sit and and, and want to to daven separately. Yeah, it's crazy how, um, how much this country has changed in the last three months. Yeah, so I think that that people um, I think and hope <laughs> that most people learn their lesson, um, me included. I'm not uh, not excluding anyone from from the lessons needs to be learned, but and and we need to and and also people see that the most uh, uh, that the people that they thought that are the enemies of the state were willing to risk their lives in the middle of Simchat Torah run and and save hundreds of people. So so I think that um, the fact that we it's it's almost. Um, it's almost poetical that the organization that was fighting against uh, uh, the reform were calling themselves brother in arms. Um, I think that the real brothers, brother in arms, the real ones that actually are brother in arms, that fighting in Gaza and in the north, um, shoulder to shoulder, will not be able to buy um, this um, um, demonization. demonization. Yeah. Of 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 people, just because they think differently, and and I hope this will have a significant uh, effect on the discourse and on the politics in the state of Israel. Yeah, I hope so. You know, what part of what made it so easy for the high court and the media and the opposition to present uh, the judicial reform legislation to the public as a threat to democracy is that Israel doesn't really have any basic Bill of Rights to protect the individual, the average citizen. And the court was able to kind of falsely present itself as the protector of individual rights. And do you think it would be easier in the future to challenge the power of the Supreme Court if the Knesset were to put out a Bill of Rights uh, assuring the rights of each Israeli citizen first. So first, Israel does have some kind of bill of rights, um, the basic law of, uh, of human rights and dignity, mm-hmm. of human freedom and dignity, um, is is somewhat a bill of right, and, um, and uh, I have to say that 
I try in my committee, uh, and I, see, I think most Knesset members in their actions, to uh, take it seriously, sometimes way more than the courts, or the legal advisor, or the prosecution, or the police. We take it way more seriously um, than them. Right, because if anything, it would make the job of law enforcement and the courts harder. Yeah, and anyone who wants to, to see that, he needs to see how much time and effort the Constitution Committee, during wartime, invested in safeguarding the right to see a judge um, face-to-face during wartime, and uh, the way more than the courts were willing to defend it. So we in the Knesset defended the right to see a judge more than the judge, mm-hmm. and more than the, the court management, and more than the, the prosecution, and more than the legal advisory. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did it, by the way, coalition and opposition. Uh, it's not an issue of right and left in Israel, uh, protecting human rights. Um, I think the major right that we need to make sure that is being respected is the equality of the voting power. You cannot have a, a, um, a situation, you cannot accept a situation that if you vote, and if, you are, uh, um, if you vote in the right way, then your vote is meaningless. And if you vote for, and, and, and a vote in the court is way more important <laughs> on, on issues that are not legal. Then are not uh, uh, issue of law, or issues of policy, and issues of of values, of issues of where the state is going. Identity, culture. identity, yeah. culture. On those issues, a vote in the Knesset should be at least the same power as the court. That I would say even more, and that's not the case, and and it's not the case for many years. And in that aspect, the ruling of the Supreme Court is not a new ruling. Um, we are sitting in a, here in the Knesset. When we, you will go out of my office, you probably might find uh, um, a Knesset member that um, openly supports Stir. And he's in here against the basic law. There is a basic law saying that if you support terror, you cannot be a Knesset member. And there are Knesset members who openly support terror. And they're in here only because the court allowed them against the law, so against the basic law. So is the basic law uh, respected by the court? Sometimes. Depends, if it yeah. says something that they mm-hmm. want. Right, it also seems to be a game, treating the basic law like a constitution seems to really be selective, applied selectively. Yes. Right. So, look, before this government introduced the judicial reform legislation, we, we could see that the general public supported some kind of judicial reform. Like, it still is. Yeah? Yeah. Numbers show there was a poll just recently. Majority of the public in Israel wants to have a reform. He wants, the, the, the public wants it to be widely accepted. Mm-hmm. And me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but of course, we need, to, we need to do everything within our power to have this reform um, in the in the consensus or, mm-hmm. or close to consensus, and I think it's possible. You think the war is going to make that more possible? Yeah, I think it was possible. I think it's even more possible today. Um, well, I'll ask you a question. Maybe you'll decide if you want to answer it. Um, to, to what extent do you think the Americans stir up the drama here and try to create division within Israeli society over issues like this? Um, I have my. Uh, Facts and suspicions. Some facts, some suspicions. I don't know what is the Americans. 
the government, the State Department, the CIA. I know that many of the organizations that took part in the demonstrations and in the battle against the judicial reform are um, foreign-funded, mm-hmm. some of them by even by the U.S. administration and State Department, some of them, and it couldn't happen the other way around. Meaning, if you're an organization that the State of Israel funds and you operate in the U.S. and you will try to influence politics, mm-hmm. you will be arrested. illegal, arrested. Even if you get the funds on other issues. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, the rules in most countries about this are way more um, harsh than the rules of the State of Israel. And, and do you think that's because that money benefits certain political players here? Uh, I think that, I think that, um, I don't know. I will suspect that, but I'm trying to say only only facts. I want to say facts and not mm-hmm. speculations. Um, true or not, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm saying I, I, I'm very careful when I speak about those issues because you have to be 100% on facts on those issues, um, which I try to do. And uh, But I would say that in my view, any foreign-funded organization should not be involved in politics at all. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're getting your money from other country, from governments of other countries. governments, of course, of course, I would never say foreign funding, meaning donations from good Jews in the U.S. Mm-hmm. that wants to uh, help the state of Israel, right. because that's uh, that's their that's their home away from home, right. and they have a stake here, and they have a stake right. here. But I'm saying every for every government that wants to influence the state of Israel, they should go to the State Department, their ambassadors. Mm-hmm. There are uh, uh, there is a Ministry of Foreign Affairs and there is a Prime Minister. You send your ambassadors. There are ways of influencing other countries. Correct and channels. It's, it does, it, direct channels. It's not goes going through paying to, for organization either to appeal the Supreme Court or to uh, uh, do, arrange demonstrations. I mean, the, the truth is, the over the last century, we've seen the United States behave like this in many parts of the world. What's unique about Israel is, I think Israel might be the only country where the U.S.-backed protests are called the left, and the government they're fighting is called the right. Usually it's the opposite. Usually the, the protesters are the right, and the regime is a socialist. I don't think it's legitimate in a democratic country. Democratic and free country. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how do you expect this current war, we spoke a little bit about this, you mentioned that you think there'll be increased unity and, and less room for demonization in the press, but how do you think this war will ultimately affect the short-term future of Israeli politics? I mean, we're seeing polls that don't look great right now, which is interesting because we see an increase in unity, we see an increase in national consciousness, but when you look at polls, it looks like if there was an election today, that it would be the opposition that takes control. Um, I, I don't look at polls and time of when we don't have an elections uh, mm-hmm. in the future, uh, because because you don't know which parties will run and what will be their agenda and what the map in Israel is. It, it's maybe in the U.S. when you have two parties and you know already which parties probably will run next elections. Mm-hmm. So a, a poll makes some sense in Israel. You you don't know, and so any hypothesis of a, of a poll changes the picture. So, so no one, no one can predict at this time what will happen in an election. But, uh, but I do think that uh, people in Israel, some of them are um, frustrated, and for good reasons, because they voted for a right wing for many years. By the way, not only this government, this government 
it was it was better but not not good enough. This government was better on many aspects. We cancelled the disengagement law from the from from Chomesh from the from the northern Samaria. Uh, we actually took away the money that pay that was paid to terrorists by the Palestinian authorities. That wasn't the situation before. Even before the war, we operated to fight terror in Judea and Samaria in ways that former government did not. So it was better, but it wasn't enough because we still uh, did not sh- change the paradigm of the state of Israel since Oslo. Mm-hmm. And and people say we voted for a right-wing government and, and you didn't do enough. Well, how, how can we change that paradigm? Is there a way to, in your mind so to I change I think it? now the paradigm, paradigm has been changed. It was a very... Uh, heavy price to I mean, pay. Well, when you, when you look at what happened on Simchat Torah on, on October 7th, I mean, I, it's very easy for me to say this is the result of the disengagement from Gaza. This is the result of the Oslo paradigm. But the media is coming up with all sorts of other explanations. The, me, the media, come, the media even during uh, uh, Oslo courts, came with other explanations. But the public in Israel is not stupid. Ever? Um, huh? Ever? Most of the time. You, you say, you, you know the term... Uh, you can fool some of the people some of right. the time. You can uh, you can fool all the people for a short time. Doesn't matter. You cannot fool all the people all the time. And people in Israel are um, uh, had uh, saw where this path leads to, and that you see in their views. They come and complain that we weren't right enough. Not the, so. So they are not happy with the fact. So despite the fact that it was a right-wing government, we uh, um, we did not uh, change uh, the entire paradigm. Is it was it realistic? I don't know. What would be the case? What would uh, how would it will look if two months or three months before the before the the war, I would go and do a press conference and say if the government don't don't start um, uh, a war in. In Gaza to eliminate Hamas uh, today, I am leaving the coalition. Mm-hmm. Would 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 it? How how my how any everyone, including my own friends and family and supporters, would look at it? Mm-hmm. They would say, "What happened? What's what's new?" Mm-hmm. So sometimes, sometimes either you work gradually, and I think this government has done it, or in a time of of a big crisis. You see that the way you worked for all those years need to change. How it will affect politics, I think it's earlier, it's too early to say, but I do think that if this government will not be able to supply what the people of Israel demand, which is a victory, mm-hmm. undebated, unquestioned. On all fronts. Of course. But you, but if, if we won't be able to give a victory, we will, the state of Israel, and uh, the political uh, players that are in charge, prime minister, government, uh, will be will be a problem. But again, I don't think about politics now, mm-hmm. and I don't think they should. They should give the public of Israel a victory, not because it will benefit politically. It will also benefit politically, because that's the right thing, and that's what we as a country deserve. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I, I'm not a politician, so I'm allowed to say that I'm thinking about politics. And I'm thinking about politics only because I'm genuinely afraid. Look, I've never in my life voted for Netanyahu. I've never voted for Likud in my life. But I genuinely believe 
that right now he's the only leader of all the potential leaders this country could have that I trust to protect our national interest, that I trust to protect us from the Americans when this is over. Meaning I believe that Washington is going to come in here and try to demand a very heavy price from us. Already, I think there's been a shift in the public consciousness in terms of how healthy our relationship with the United States is or isn't for us, whether we should be relying on them for weapons or not relying on them for weapons. And I think that uh, from the uh, statements we hear coming out of Washington, it's very clear that once the smoke clears from this war, they're expecting a new Israeli prime minister and a two-state solution. And I don't trust anybody. I don't trust Naftali Bennett. I don't trust Benny Gantz. I don't trust Yair Lapid. I don't trust anybody but Bibi right now to consciously protect us from American interests in the region. Okay. I mean, I'm not a politician. I could say it. Like, I feel it's, it's not a political issue for me. It's a national need that this government survive. I think it's a national need that we won't go to election in the middle of a war. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not healthy right. for the state. It's not healthy for the people. Um, we need to we need to make sure that the forces who fight um, finish the job at least in one front mm-hmm. uh, before we before we take uh, bring Israel back to instability mm-hmm. in the time of war we need stability and the fact that the same people who, who advocate for stability and and demand that the that uh, no one will be fired in the government, even if they're doing a very bad job, or in the army, even if they're doing a very bad job. But they do want uh, to throw Israel back to elections. They prefer politics over the benefit of the state of Israel. Mm-hmm. I'm not there. Right. Well, the polls are looking good for them, I can understand. But that's politics. Um, some of them, not even the polls. The polls are not. Mm-hmm. Some of them, the polls do not benefit them. They still prefer politics because they, 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 their um, mission to kick out Netanyahu or the right-wing government, if for them, is bigger than their own interest. For example, people from the Labour Party. Labour Party, they do not pass the threshold in the, in, the, in the polls. They don't have anything to benefit. Are they creating a party together with merits? I don't know. No. But they don't have it's it's they don't have uh, uh, good numbers in the polls. Mm-hmm, no. But they still prefer saying we prefer kicking out the right wing government. We don't know what about our personal political benefit. But I still think that this is a poli- choosing the political be- political uh, uh, goal and not the sake of the state of Israel. Do, do you feel that this coalition has time and opportunity to win back? public trust following this war uh, in order to remain in power? Again, I'm not dealing with politics now, and I don't think, I, I really, um, I think it's not, I can talk about subject matter, I can talk mm-hmm. about what I expect from from the war, I can look at what, what do, needs to be done in, in, the, in the committee, in the justice system, but I'm not, I'm, I don't think it's, it's, uh, it's a good idea. To, to speak about politics today. Okay, so, so let's, uh, let, let me ask um, a lot of the judicial reform debate, or certainly when it comes to selecting judges, surrounds the question of maybe having more conservative judges on the bench as opposed to liberal judges on the bench. And, you know, I come from a sector that does, I don't really feel represented by liberal or conservative justices. Maybe I want to see Tamadei Chachamim, Dayanim, on the bench. What would you think of keeping Esther Hayut and her friends on the bench or her successors 
next to Rabbanim on the Supreme Court, instead of fighting for conservative judges, fighting to put Rabbanim on the bench, together with the Tel Aviv. Um, I think that um, during the debate and the reform, uh, I spoke with many people, and I said, it's not, you're not really fighting about the powers for the court. If, you're, if you want to talk about power for the court, so let's do this uh, theoretical game, okay? You write on the paper what are the powers of the court that you think that in a democratic country the court should have. And then they wrote on the paper what they think. I said, I'm accepting your offer without even reading it, mm -hmm. but the judges will be all rabbis. Mm -hmm. No, 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 I don't want. So it's not about the system. Right. It's, a, it's not about what... It's about the, values it's and identity. About, it's about values, identity, and the will mm -hmm. to choose values and identities regardless of the will of the people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's a problem in a democratic country. That's why I don't think it, it's a debate between people who support democracy and people who are objecting to democracy. It's definitely not, not my side. No, um, I, I think both sides very much see themselves fighting for democracy against an authoritarian regime. It's a very interesting concept. Um, I think, yes, but I work, I try to build a system that will, will be connected to the will of the people mm -hmm. um, and behind some kind of a veil of, I don't know if I'll get majority on what, if I will be in the next Knesset, but I do know that I want the next message to the song. All right. Very interesting. Thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the show. I, I'm sure that our listeners will find this very interesting and very informative because a lot of what you had to say doesn't really make it to the English language press. And I think it's very important that our listeners hear a, a lot of what's been going on over the last year from your perspective. Uh, if anybody is interested in checking out the show notes this episode, you can go to visionmag.org backslash the next stage 113 and once again i'd like to thank all of our supporters on patreon for keeping this show alive and running and informative and uh, wishing you a good week